0: Welcome to Downton. Hello there, Emma speaking. Welcome to Shall We Go Through, the Downton Abbey fan podcast. What? 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 Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing well. Please just don't pay attention to my weird voice because while I'm ill again, it's just a cold, nothing too bad, but yeah, just, I don't have a good immune system, okay? Well, I don't know if my voice is actually weird, but I can hear myself, like, talking and my voice sounds weird so yeah just don't pay attention to that but I do hope that you are not ill not like me and that everything is fine in your life that you started this year nicely and I just realized that when you will listen to that it will be my last Sunday of being 25 because this will come out on the 5th and my birthday is on the 8th so yeah Anyway, we're not here to talk about me, we're here to talk about episode 7 of season 4 of Downton Abbey that I called the one with the pigs. Let's start, shall we? Let's just start with what's happening at the beginning of the episode. Robert is going to America. The episode starts with a telegram and then Bates comes into Mrs. Hughes' sitting room And says that Robert is going to America. That he has received a telegram. That apparently Cora's brother is in trouble. And so he's going to America. Remember we talked about Harold last episode. Because Robert received a letter from him. And Cora said that she received a letter from her mother. So apparently Harold was in trouble. And now Cora and Robert are in her bedroom. And where she just had her breakfast. Because she's still in bed and not dressed while he's dressed and he's angry apparently they he received a telegram from Martha so Cora's mother that said that Robert has to be there he doesn't know why apparently um there was something wrong happened and they think that Robert being there might make a difference because he's an English aristocrat so maybe it would serve Harold well or well, they he doesn't really know why he has to go but you know he will go it feels like he doesn't really have a choice but Bates, um well, he said to Mrs. Hughes that he didn't want to leave because of Anna. We're going to talk about Anna and Bates after. So Mrs. Hughes, she steps in, or she would try to make Bates stay at Downton. So she goes to talk with Mary. But Mary, she's like, I like how she says that, you know, I hope we're good employers, but Bates is here as his lordship's valet. So it would be nice if he could, you not know, do his job because we pay him to do that. So yes he needs to go to America with Robert like I can understand her way like I know we're, we're nice and I hope we are but you know we're paying you to do your job so it's best if you like do it and just know but it's just a special c- circumstance Anna needs him and well Mary says that she must know the facts and we understand that Mrs. Hughes told her what happened but again talk about it a bit more we talk about Anna and Bates but so Mary, she tries to convince Robert to not take Bates with him to America. And so she's with him in his dressing room and she asks him to not take Bates. She doesn't ask him to not take a valet with him, just not Bates. She says, take Thomas, you know, like he was your valet. You know, it's not, it's not like you have to train him because he knows um, how you like things done. And Robert, really, you see, he's not really keen on that because I, I think the issue in that is that he doesn't really like Thomas and it's not just going, like, to London for three days. He's going to another country. It's going to take a couple of weeks. So I think a poem was even, like, I have to go there. I don't want to. I'm going to be away from my wife for, like, weeks and I can't even have, like, my best friend with me. I have to take Thomas. <laughs> but Mary, managed to convince him. So in the end, base will not come. But what I love is and robert <laughs> says but suppose thomas doesn't want to come." and mary i really love what she says why wouldn't he it's an adventure all those handsome stewards strutting down the boat deck don't be vulgar what do you know of such matters i've been married i know everything i love it again how they talk casually about the fact that thomas likes men like you know like you yeah, like you talk about the weather. I always find it quite funny when you know that Thomas could go in jail because of it. So I just love how literally they casually talk about that and that Mary uses that as um, a reason (laughs) why he could take Thomas with him. I know, I love it. And the I have been married, I know everything gets me every time but so in the end Bates will not go and Thomas will go to his place and he's so excited obviously he is again it's an adventure and he's not really loved at the Abbey so obviously he is um, happy to go oh and something I have noticed or maybe it's usual but like when Mary is with Robert and he's in his dressing room he's kind of getting dressed and you see that he has changed his suit because it's not the same that he had when he talked with Cora. So maybe it's usual to just change before. Because he's going to travel. So he changed his suit. But I just love the fact that he has put a suit for maybe what an hour. Like to take breakfast. And he just changed. So yeah. Anyway. And so there is a the moment of Robert leaving. And so the moment of the goodbyes. And oh. Oh this scene with Cora is one of my favorite covert scene ever. Not the number one. But. I think it's closely maybe number two where I kind of change my mind all the time every time we watch like the scenes but I love this Oh darling I do think you're going to rescue my hopeless brother as an act of real love and I cherish you for it. That'll keep me warm as I cross the raging seas. Good now kiss me. I absolutely love this and I think the thing that gets me every time is the now kiss me. Like it's not even a question, just kiss me. I just love it. And that they just the two of them, you know, beef because everyone's already waiting outside, you know, loading the car and everyone like the servants and the family. But he's just in with courage to have his like their own private goodbye. I think it's very sweet. And I don't know when he will come back actually, you know? Because what well, first you have the voyage, you know, you have to go to America and then you have to come back, so it's obviously a couple of days. But he' doesn't know when he's going to come back and when he's going to see her again this is almost sad okay but so then he says goodbye to everyone and i really like this scene like the the words have for everyone in full rows saying that he leaves her in charge of fun i think it's very funny i also love the goodbye to tom saying you know look after all my women folk including isis especially isis like <laughs> but actually find it quite sweet that he says goodbye to the dog and so where they go into the car, and you see he's, you know, like, uh, not ready to leave. Like, he really is not happy to leave. And just to talk about Thomas for a second, before he leaves, he tells Miss Baxter that he expects a report when he will come back. He wants to know why he is leaving instead of Bates. Because, you know, he's still blackmailing Baxter, we talked about it last episode. And then later in the episode, they have a telegram that says that they had the boat to go to America. And in servants' so mostly, he asks Miss Baxter what Thomas meant about expecting a report. So, uh, we're still about this blackmailing thing and it's still around Bates and Anna, which is quite sad because I think I said it already but I think Baxter knows what it is the whole thing with Bates and Anna and obviously Thomas wants to know because he doesn't like Bates but I think that if he knew what the matter was what happened to Anna he would not act this way you know he may be sometimes a bit evil and mean but I don't believe he would be that cruel especially because I do think he quite like Anna so yeah so the whole business is just, well, messy and yeah. Anyway, and just fun fact, maybe you know or you don't. But if Robert left for America, it was because at that time, Hugh Bonneville got cast in the movie The Monuments Men, directed and I think written by George Clooney and with George Clooney. Anyway, and so he got cast in this and he really wanted to do it. The problem is, Downton, I think it takes eight months to film, like in a year or at least six or seven, I can't remember. And the filming would have been in the middle of filming season four. And so Julian, he decided to write him off for two episodes so that it would give him time to shoot this movie. So that's why Robert's actually leaving for America and that Julian wrote this whole storyline with Harold. I just like this, you know, because he did quite the same. Uh, remember season two when during the war, Isabel she left for France because Penelope Wheaton actually wanted to do a play and her time away from downtown was the time she needed to do the rehearsals. And when she came back, she was filming Downton the day and being on stage the evening. So I think it's quite nice. But I think Julian said that, you know, when you love some actors and you want them to stay, you have to let them leave if they want to. Because it takes so much time for them to shoot Downton. And they already have, you know, lost some actors because their contract ended. So he says, you know, you can write them for one or two episodes out. Just invade something. It's just like what he did there. So yeah, that's why Robert is leaving. It's because Hugh was busy with something else but thanks to that thanks to him doing the monuments men then we had the Downton abbey tech center with george cooney which i think is really funny so that was good now let's talk about bates and anna so because like i said bates he doesn't want to go to america because he can't leave anna now and I can understand it because again, you don't know for how long you will be gone. So it can be really difficult. And I understand it. He doesn't want to be away also because he feels like he should have protected her and I kind of started to kind of rebuild their relationship now. So it would be quite a shame for him to leave now because, uh, yeah, well, anyway. So that's why Mrs. Hushy comes to ask Mary if Robert can go without. Bates but Mary like I said she's like yeah but it's supposed to be his job and you can't expect his lordship to live without a valet and she even said I must know all the facts so you understand that it's just she told Mary what happened to Anna and then um Bates and Anna together in the boot room again this boot room I'm serious we never seen that much of that boot room until Anna has been attacked really they're always in the boot room now all around it it's yeah never mind so Bates and to Anna and Bates says to Anna that he won't go. Anna says to not be stupid because he has to go otherwise you know he might be sacked so he has to go but she's not feeling well at all. But Mary she managed to convince Robert to take Thomas instead of Bates but she doesn't tell him why. And you see that Bates uh, at first is shocked when Robert tells him that he will not go but he looks at Mary and he sees that he understands that she knows, and I think about me is grateful. But then he asks Mary what she knows, and she says, and Bates he feels very guilty again because he feels that he should have protected Anna. But then Mary tells him, I don't know that she's the one who tells him that it's not your fault, Bates. It wasn't hers, but it wasn't yours, which is completely true, and. He, well the thing is they all kind of um he said he keeps saying that it's a bit his fault because you have protected her and Anna at the beginning she thought again that it was her fault if it happened And Mrs. Hugh said that it was you know not their fault and Mary saying it again uh I like it I mean we know that it's not it's not their fault either of them but just seeing someone else especially I think someone from upstairs like Mary saying saying it again yeah I just I like it but like I said Thomas he wants to know he has Baxter because he wants to know why he's going instead of Mr. Bates and Baxter she well obviously she feels really bad about this whole black babe problem because I think it's, it's not just telling tales of what happens like what Cora said about someone or whatever it's much more serious this subject and like I said I believe Baxter may have guessed or maybe not exactly uh, in detail what happened but I think she knows in a way what happened and she feels bad because obviously she doesn't want to say it because like I said it's serious but again I thought she is really the character that always blames herself in a way I feel like Anna and Cora are similar in uh, lots of ways and this is why like they always blame them themselves when something happened when you know it's not fault, like Anna is now he she even feels a bit sorry sorry and bad because she has robbed Bates of a chance to go to America you know but like Bates he did it was his own choice to not leave her so yeah and um when Anna is with Mary uh she tells her that she is grateful that she persuaded Robert to not live with Bates and so Mary tells her that Mrs. Just told her you know what happened and and I said she just said that she can't talk about it. That she's glad there's no secrets but she can't tell her. And said Mary, she is worried and she wants to help. I just love when she says I want to help you because God knows you have helped me in the past. I mean yeah, we all remember the corpse of, you know, Mr. Pamuk among other things, obviously. And I thought it's sweet. I said it for this whole storyline, but sometimes I'm I'm quite sad that we didn't see more of the others being worried because they all love Anna and Bates actually now and I love it and I love Anna and Mary's relationship and then oh my god this scene uh, gives me cheers every time they're all in the servants hall well all except Anna but they're all in the servants hall and Green is back because Gillingham is back but we're going to talk about Tony later when he arrives with his face and his voice and his smile oh just want to slap him or strangle him or whatever and mrs hughes the way she looks at him like i already said but mrs hughes i mean if looks could kill he would be dead and sometimes i wish you know and anna's reaction she just arrives at the moment in the servants hall just Baxter something and she sees him and she just freezes like it's just such a shock and oh my god and there's a moment it feels like carson has noticed that mrs Hughes was not all right like he, he has a strange face when he looks at her and the way she reacts to green being here like he senses there's something but he doesn't know what it is, but he senses there's something but then green is in the boot room i mean seriously this boot room yeah just i said it already but like it's everywhere and mrs Hughes goes in it because she wants to speak to him and she's angry she confronts him, saying that she knows what he's done. And Green, he says, Yeah, we were a bit drunk, the both of us, we are both to blame. Like, excuse me. And missus just, Oh my god, this scene, like, it's so strong. She says, No, you are the only one to blame, like, only you. And at that moment, it feels like Green, at first, he wants to, you know, lie when he says they're both to blame. But then at that moment, something is Face shifted, like he's like, Okay, there's no way of pretending. But when he asked if Mr. Bates knows, and says no, well, not that it was him, and he says thank you, almost like if he knew that if Bates knew that he would be a dead man. But when he says thank you, Mrs. Hughes, I mean, she sees Reg, like, Don't you dare thank me. Like, I don't want you to thank me. I didn't keep that secret for your sake. Like, she literally kept it for beta's sake not him like oh this thing makes me so angry but makes me love mrs even more but like i just want to jump into the screen and beat the hell out of him i know violence is not a solution but this guy i just want to punch him in the face and then the last scene of the episode the servants are taking their dinner and baxter she talks with green and she says that she would have loved to hear melba sing and green says that he doesn't understand why because he couldn't handle it and he's really like, you know, I couldn't handle it because she was screeching like a cat or whatever. And so, Miss Baxter asks him, but what did you do? But the way she asks, like, it's the tone is completely different from what she said just before, you No, know, when she said that she would have loved to hear Melba sing. There's something very suspicious in the way she says it. And then Green says that he came down, so downstairs, so in the servants' quarters, to enjoy a bit of peace and quiet. And... There's something when he says that, and again, the way Baxter said it, you realize he just, he literally just signed his death certificate right now because based when he looks at him at that moment, he see it, he knows. And I believe he's not stupid. Like the probability that a man just broke in and attacked Anna was just too small. But at that moment, Green, he literally confirmed that he was down when Anna was attacked. So there's only two things. All the guy, like, witnessed that Anna was attacked and did nothing. Or oh, he's the attacker. And again, probability, he is the asshole. So, because he's actually, is one. But it feels like you sense that also that Baxter might have understand something. That's why I think the whole situation is weird. It, it's complicated because Thomas wants to know what happened. And she doesn't want to say it because she realizes it's something much more serious than just a marriage gone sour i just want to say it but i still believe that if thomas knew the story he would not act like a dick you know he wants to know because he doesn't like Bates, but i think he would be appalled by the whole story because he might be even evil and sometimes even you know like he gets on my nerves sometimes but he's not that evil you know what i mean so yeah but Bates, the way he looks at green you're like okay man you just basically kid yourself right now you know bananas now let's talk about our love square. I promise the love square is almost over, but we still have a bit going on. Actually, it's, it's gonna last a bit until the end of the season. But like, it's less annoying now than it was at the beginning. Remember Jimmy? What happened between Jimmy and Ivy last episode? He took her to um, the pictures. They kissed, but he wanted something more. She got angry he said that it was not fair because he was really nice to her so he should have something in return and she was angry because he was like uh who do you think you are basically that's what happened and when thomas is uh, packing to go to america jimmy he says that he envies him and thomas says well won't you miss ivy and jimmy's like well that was a waste of money and effort so you're like okay so you never really liked her not like the way she liked him so you're like ivy you're way better without him definitely and Carson, he had a letter from alfred um he said that um, he's getting on well with this course apparently there's a french chef that said that he's really getting, getting on well and <laughs> just love when mrs patmore says well we don't need praise from the french quite yet <laughs> i just love mrs patmore but apparently alfred says that he might come and visit because apparently his father's is, is ill and so he could just come and to see everyone and later mrs and mrs Palmer are together in mrs Palmer's sitting room and Carson comes in and they say to him that they are worried about alfred coming because well you know because alfred that means ivy versus daisy again and so they're worried And they say maybe maybe it would be better if he if he would not come the next day you see that jimmy he tries to be nice to ivy again but she's very cold with him and I just love how he tries to minimize what happened, saying that he only asked what a million men would ask. And I really like how she answers him. Like, you see that this whole thing kind of made her grow a bit, when which says, and I only answered what a million women would answer. I just love it, the way she says it. And then, <laughs> Carson and Miss they try to come with a plan that Alfred would not come. He says, well, I just get him at the station, I have a drink with him, and then I would get him like a night at the pub, and I just tell him that we're all very busy. And she says, You know you know what? Just tell him there's flu in the house, and he must not miss out on his course. So he must not come so that he would not catch the flu. Hello. When Carson says, You're quite a plotter when you want to be, aren't you? It's a skill all women must learn you have a problem a trouble anything you go to mrs hughes everyone knows that actually so yeah or a secret even cora said it mrs hughes the one for a secret so you know they all know like i said i just hope she will never write her memoirs and so Carson, he's with he's with alfred and he's alfred a bit disappointed because he wanted to come to downtown to say hello to everyone and garson said that he bought him a room at the pub and then we have a drink together and he will be nice and you know he wants to keep him away from downtown but daisy she's like why have fred changed his plans like he was supposed to come like what happened and then it's daisy versus ivy again because ivy's like oh it's such a shame you know that he was not here there's like why is it to you you didn't even like him like you know they start bickering and <laughs> I just love when Mrs. Hughes and Mrs. Papmore are together like, well, we know one thing, we were right to put him off, because if he had come, I mean, it would have been worse. But in the end, Alfred, he does come. You know, he said, well, I think Mr. Carson was being over-careful, but I just love when he's here. And Mrs. Hughes and Mrs. Papmore are like, oh my God. I said, but no, we, we thought we, we had the flu, but, you know, looks can be deceptive oh my god the two of them they're just hilarious and when Carson he comes like Alfred what are you doing here and Ivy she says to Alfred that she missed him and he's so happy to hear that he's like well I don't think I can leave now and you're like oh my god and Mrs. Powell she tries to save it too yeah but you have to it's a shame you have to go and uh, yeah but then after that Carson Mrs. Powell, and Mrs. Hughes. I mean they, like I said they're hilarious so Carson's like Okay, so I have a bill at the pub and a room for nothing because he came anyway. I and mean, Mrs. Warren, well, you can't grudge him that. You know, it's not his fault. You know, he was a nice employer. You can pay him like a, a drink at the pub and a, a room. But Mrs. Padmore, I love what she says. That I do grudge him the tears and the heartbreak that'll flavour my puddings for weeks to come. I just love them. Like, because in the end, uh, when they're in the servants' hall again, Carson and Mrs. Hughes, they talk and say, oh my God, like, he, you see that Ivy and Daisy where well, it's still a fight, you know? And when Carson is like, well, to be young is to have your heart broken. Everywhere, even in the kitchen of Downton. I just love it how they try to protect, like, the kids. It was like, Mrs. Hughes, Mrs. Papmore, and Carson are like the parents of downstairs. And I really love it. I think they're really funny and they're sweet. <laughs> I promise it's almost the end for this love square. Like technically it's not even the love square now it's more a love triangle because jimmy's out of the picture but the love triangle will be the end next episode so yeah now let's talk about edith remember uh, last episode edith she received the news that she was pregnant obviously complicated situation if you then add the fact that the father of the baby is missing and they have no idea where he is. Yeah, the whole situation is really complicated and I do feel very sorry for her. Edith, she's with Cora and she tells her that she wants to go to London. When well, they talk a bit about Michael Rickson and what happened and what they know and even Cora's like, but that doesn't make any sense. You know, like if he was dead or rested, I mean, they should have known what happened Because it's been so long that he's gone. They should know something. But she senses that Edith is worried. She's like, yeah, of course you can go to London. Like, do you good to, like, I don't know, do something else. Like, try to cheer yourself up. Like, I don't know. And then I absolutely love this little conversation between Edith and Cora. Because I think this will determine the way Edith will act after. I will explain. Edith, she asks her mother. You don't think I'm... Bad, do you? You can be a bit sharp tongued every now and then. But bad, no. Sometimes I have bad feelings. We all have bad feelings. It's acting on them that makes you bad. Absolutely love this scene. And yeah, we talk about it at the end of the Edith storyline. But then Edith, she is in London with Rosamond and Rose, but we're going to talk about Rose after. And you see that Rosamond she is worried for Edith. She even says, What well, you seem so Preoccupied lately she wants to know what is happening apparently Edith she says that she's going to be away for the night but she doesn't want her to say anything to her mother so obviously Rosamond is like oh well obviously it's quite complicated because you are going to do something or go somewhere and you don't want me to say that to your parents so why is it and then Edith, she uses something that Rosamond said. Tori he says, well, you said it yourself. I am a grown woman and you're not a spy. Rosamond's like, but what is it? Because the last time I said that, you were with Michael Gregson. So since he has disappeared, uh, it can't be that. And then Edith, she burst into tears. And I think Rosamond, she kind of understood what happened. And this whole scene is very emotional and sweet because what well, Edith says that she, obviously scared because when she's pregnant and she says that she said to get rid of the baby and obviously it's something really hard to hear because at the time it was illegal and very dangerous and at first Rosamond's like I'm sure there's something else you can do and he's well, like what having the baby like you know she would be a pariah of the society but I like when Rosamund says I will support your decision and Cora and Robert will so she's convinced that her parents would support her which I quite like because she could easily have said you know because she confided in her and said yeah you're right just let's just not talk about it to your parents she literally says that she should tell her parents and that she think they will understand but if she doesn't want to because like she said she like she planned on getting rid of the baby But I, mean, I love when Rosamond said that she refused to be shocked by the situation I like, have you really thought this through and it breaks my heart when Edith says I am killing the wanted child of a man I'm in love with and you ask me if I've thought about it this is absolutely heartbreaking like she has no luck in life literally I mean yeah and the fact is all of this could be a really happy event if the guy was still here but the guy is missing probably dead and when well, they're not married that's the whole thing this is all so sad with everything that is happening to Edith, I just can't understand how people can hate her. Because I know, I think, I do think that there are more people that love Mary and that are Mary apologists than there are people that are Edith apologists. But look at her life, seriously. Everything that's happening to her. Like, poor Edith. Anyway, Um and she says to Rosamund that she has found some place where they, you know, get rid of babies. And Rosamund says she would go with her. And I absolutely love that, that she says, if you have made up your mind that I am coming with you. So, but imagine if it goes wrong, what would I tell your parents? The fact that she, in the end, is, you know, she says, I'm going with you. I think it's really a strong position. And I love it because she really wants to be here for her. I think this is a strong statement. And then they are together in this place to get rid of the baby. And again, I just love how Rosamund, then when she, she says to Edith, don't put words into my mouth, like... I don't know what I think right now. I just wish everything was over. I just, or I even wish nothing of that happened, you know? And I think she's generally feeling sorry for Edith, and I'm quite sad that we, after all that storyline, because Edith's storyline goes on for a while, I'm just sad that we didn't get to know more about Rosamond because we know that she has been married that she's a widow but we don't know more about it she never had any children but we don't know if she was happy with her husband like if they were in love why did they, they never had kids like we don't know anything about her i feel like i know a lot of things because i've read so many fan fiction but everyone has a different opinion of well what was her life And i think it's sad that we didn't get to know more about her with all this I'm happy to have all of these moments between Edith and Rosamond because I feel, still feel Edith is the child that has been left out uh, by Roberts. and i and I'm glad that she has someone that is here for her. Edith didn't mean to confide in Rosamond, but it's because she was there when everything happened but I'm glad that she had someone that was there for her. But so in the end, Edith, she decides to not get rid of the baby, it says it's a mistake. And she lives and so Edith wants to go back to Dalton right now. She wants to go home and wasn't ask her if she's going to say anything to her mother. And Edith is like, well, I suppose I must, you know, at some point. Because when I'm pregnant, then at some point people will notice that I am. So maybe it's best if I tell her. Um So then she comes home. And when she's home, you see that she's not really there. And Tom asks her, did you get anything done you know, when you were in London? And you see how... In distress, she looks like, why are you talking about How do you know about it? And I was like, you eh, know, just nothing particular. Just, no, you know, you want to go into London, just want to know if everything went well. But I just love the fact that he cares about her and that he will notice things about her uh, because he cares. So I quite like him. But just to talk about Edith, so, and the conversations she had with Cora, we all think, why didn't Edith tell her mother that she was pregnant? Like, for example, at that moment. I think it's all based that maybe Edith misinterpreted what Cora said. Because Edith, she said that she thinks she's bad because she sometimes has bad feelings. And Cora, she said that it's acting on them that makes you bad. But why was those bad feelings? Because at that moment, she doesn't talk about her becoming with Mary. You see that it's very serious and she's very, very in distress. And I read about that once. I think it was on Tumblr. And since then, every time I watch this scene and this whole storyline, you maybe see it in a different way. But what if the bad feelings? Well, first now, she wants to get rid of the baby. That may be a bad feeling because, you know, it's illegal. It's dangerous. But like the whole idea of getting rid of a baby, you know. But what if also the bad feeling that she talks about, something bad that she did, was actually going to bed with Michael Gregson? Because she was not supposed to do that like it was bad in a way because technically now she is damaged goods you know it's what Cora said to Mary after the permuk situation so what if she thinks she's bad because of that because she acted on those feelings like of the desire and lust and like, like she acted on her feelings for Michael Gregson and she did something she was not supposed to do what if she talks about that and the fact that Cora says that it's acting on them that makes you bad that she understands that in a way that oh I acted on there like I let like my desire get the better of me and now I'm pregnant so it's like oh like you've been punished I'm bad I don't know if that makes sense and I don't know if I explained express myself in a really understood understandable way because at that moment Edith, she really confines in her mother like at the beginning you feel like she doesn't want to say it's Cora who makes her talk in a way and what if what Cora said to make Edith feel better does the complete opposite and at that moment she feels that she is bad because she acted on feelings that people said society says that are bad don't know if you get what I mean and maybe that could be a reason why she's afraid of telling her that she's pregnant because I believe that obviously children they don't know everything about their parents especially what happened before they were born and most of the time children have kind of a idyllic and really positive like the image they have of their parents kind of a perfection situation when they're not perfect and Cora she appears really I feel from outside if you don't count the whole she's American and she doesn't know how to behave she appears to be like this perfect lady except the fact that she's American so for some people it would not be but and so what if like a lot of women her age she compares herself to her mother and she realized that she's not like her mother like she's not like Sybil because she even says Sybil might have put up with all that I can't I can't do that she's not like Mary and Mary had a chance to actually get married and have a child with the man she loved so everything was like nice even with the whole permanent situation she kind of got saved and it was also a different um thing but she's like, I'm also not like my mother. Like, she feels like she's the ugly duckling. Because in a way, when you see the three sisters, technically it was Sybil who stood out because of the way she acts. But technically, really, Edith is actually the one who kind of stands out because she doesn't know where to stand. Because Sybil, yes, yeah, she was different and she went a different way of life. But she knew what she wanted. And it feels like Edith, she doesn't know. Or actually, I think like Edith knows what she wants, but she can't have it. And what she wants what she wanted was not that complicated. It was just to fall in love with a nice man and having a family. And she fell in love with a nice man, couldn't get married with him. The guy was going to do a hell of a things to manage to get married to her. And she gets pregnant, which in a way is like, oh, that's great because I'm pregnant. It's the child of the man she loves, but the man has disappeared. She's not married. Like, it's, it's, it's this is all completely disaster, actually. Because everything could be... You see, everything could be happy. No, you know, Microsoft loves her. She loves him. They're going to have a child. This is happy. But no, because of the circumstances of everything that, is, that has happened and because of the society and the time they live in, it's not. It, it's a disaster. So I feel like she feels like she's the ugly duckling. And I mean, when you see that, it is that way, you know? So maybe, in a way, that conversation, she might have like misunderstood or misinterpreted what Cora said. Tell me what you think. Because about me, things, when Cora says that to you, she's so sweet and she's so nice, so worried, that she definitely is the person that I would feel, if I had to say something like that to someone, I would tell that to her. Because if it's actually the one that might understood or might be the nicest to me. Especially after the Pamuk situation, you know? The thing is, I'm saying that now, but Edith knows what happened she used it what happened yes and no she doesn't know that her mother is involved because i believe that if she knew that and that in the end well maybe she would feel that again her mother loves mary more than her but maybe she would feel okay if she was not that angry or you know after that maybe what happened to me she would not be that angry i don't know but i do feel so bad for her and i can understand that she's completely lost because I feel like I would be, you know, definitely, so yeah, tell me what you think, and I hope I was understandable, because even I have so many things in my mind, and I'm going to talk about a lot about Edith again and again, because it's not the end for Edith, and the whole storyline, and so yeah, but please tell me your thoughts, especially about that particular discussion with Cora, I would love to hear your thoughts. Okay, so I said that Edith was in London with Rosamond and Rose. So Rose. Remember last episode, she organized Robert's surprise and she invited Jack Ross's band to come and perform at Downton and Mary saw Rose and Jack Ross kiss. And now Rose, she wants to go to London with Edith and she comes to ask Cora if she can come. And Cora's like, Ugh because the issue is that rose is not out yet so technically she cannot just go around london alone like you know the way she pleases because she's not out yet she even says in a few months you will be presented everything will be possible but now But Rose like yeah but you know apparently she should like she's old enough to have been presented but she's not yeah it's like please and you know Edith she feels so bad maybe I could cheer her up and cousin Robert uh, has left me in charge of fun (laughs) I just love how she uses that that makes Cora laugh and she's like okay you can go and when they're in London and she's with Edith and Rosamond, she says that she has some errands to make like um shopping seeing friends errands I mean, we all know we're not stupid. Like, it can't be that innocent because it's Rose. So it can be just innocent errands. You know, in Rosamund, obviously, she says, you'll be here for dinner. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure I will. It's like, what does this mean? I'm sure I will, like, you will be here for dinner or you don't, no, I'm sure I will be. Like, anyway, I just love it. And then when we know what the errand is, she is with Jack Ross on the boat. And let's just pause for a second to talk about that because I already said the whole thing about Rose falling for a man called Jack, but now Julian he decided let's just put them on a boat, like on a boat, Jack and Rose on a boat. I really wish I could, yeah know what happened in Julian's mind when he decided to write that, saying oh such a great idea let's put Rose and Jack on a boat. Well, we know how that story ended. I really like this and I think it's very beautiful, but it makes me laugh every time. You cannot tell me that all of this is not on purpose. I know Jack is a very common name and Rose kind of is too, but like, please, Jack, Rose, boat. I'm sorry, but I, yeah. You can't tell me that he didn't make that on purpose, like he didn't even think about it. Anyway. I quite like this theme because you see that Rose, she's not scared of other people. Jackie like says, well, I really like you, but what are we hoping would come out of all this? You know, you are a lady, I am a band singer, and I am black. Like, it's almost to say, I don't think we have a future. was like, yeah, but I like you, you like me, so let's just enjoy it. You know, what we have, like, just be in the moment, like she says. And then she says it, you're going to have it twice in this episode, but I have to put it there. She says, you know what the French say? Vive le défense! <laughs> Okay, so this is my outro, and I was so happy and excited to finally arrive at that moment. <laughs> I just love every time she says that. It makes me laugh. I just, yeah. And then they kiss. She even asked him to kiss her in public. First, kissing in public is like not very common, especially if you're like not married. Well, even if you are married, it's not very common. So if you're not married, and let's remember that she is a lady and he is black so yeah but they do kiss anyway so but obviously rose she comes back very late so she was not here for dinner and she sees that there's still light in edith's room and so rose she said that she has she had a marvelous day and she asked if rose was furious that she wasn't here for dinner instead of edith she's a bit fed up like can't you just fit in for once and i think the way edith says that Kind of, um, mirrors what, um, her reaction last episode when Rose brought Jack Ross to Downton. I think that's all about it. Like, it's around the same thing. Like, like when she said, um, I have bad feelings. So can you not fit in for once? Because it feels like Edith, she always tried to fit in, but she never managed to do it. And every time she did something that was not proper or something that was out of the rules, it just came back and slapped her in the face. And Rose, she never had that, in a way. You know? Maybe that's why she reacts the way she reacts. Because it feels like everything is against her, and ev- everything and everyone is against her. Um, I don't know. But then, when Edith wants to to go back to downtown, Rose, she's furious. Because she never had plans. And Edith, she's like, well, unarranged him. I don't care if you had plans, we're coming home. We know that the plans were to see Jack Ross. And so, yeah, it's not the end of Jack Ross. Um, I really do like him. But like I said, we already know it's not going to end well. And plus it's Jack and Rose, so you know we know how that ended. Bananas. Then it's actually another of my fairy trio. Violet, Isabel and Doctor Clarkson. Because Violet is ill. At the beginning of the episode she comes to downtown to wish good luck to Roberts for his uh, travel to America. And she starts coughing and she asks, she asks for a glass of water. And you see that she doesn't seem well. And when Robert says goodbye, you see that she doesn't seem well at all. And when Robert left and everyone has left, she's just sitting with Isabel and she says she doesn't feel well and she has to come home. And then at the tower house, you see that Violet is in her bed ill, And Isabel comes in. She just came because she wants to check on her. And when she says that it's serious, that Violet is really ill, she uh, says that she's going to fetch Dr. Clarkson. So Clarkson comes and he says that she has bronchitis. And Isabel says, well, I'm going to take care of her because apparently there's a lot of flu at the hospital and Clarkson, he can't spare some of his nurses. And Isabel is like, no, I'm I'm going to take care of her. Like, I know. Just tell me what to do. And I do it. The next day, Mary and Cora, they come to the Dow house to see how Violet is going on. And they want to help but Isabelle says I don't need your help I'm perfectly capable of managing everything myself and I know what I'm doing I don't need you but she doesn't say that in a mean way like you can go away just we don't need to be like too many to take care of her like I know what I'm doing and I'm taking care of her it's you know I'm a trained nurse so I know what I'm doing and the clocks on his back at the tower house and he says that Isabel she should not sleep. She has to really watch her because they have to be really careful because this could turn into pneumonia. So they have to be careful so that it would not turn into pneumonia. And Isabel says she stay. She says that she owed the family a great deal because they kept her in even when her link with them was gone. And she says that so casually that he kind of breaks my heart a bit because obviously the link was Matthew because Matthew was the heir and then Matthew was married to Mary and when Matthew was dead maybe part of her thought that they're going to like leave me but I didn't because in the end they, they liked her uh, and she's still part of the family like she's George's grandmother and just the way she says that you know I owe them a great deal I find actually very sweet and touching and so she stays all night with Violet the next day Clarkson is here again and apparently Violet is feeling a bit better apparently she's even hungry and Isabel she is actually very happy she's like, well, it's a good news if you are hungry you know that means you are getting better and Violet she's like oh my god doctor please take her away and Clarkson I love Clarkson at the moment because he says that mad woman has not left your side the last couple of days she has not slept or eaten since you've been taken ill because she wanted to take care of you and Violet, she thought there were nurses. It's like, there were no nurses. Well, she was the nurse. She was here. And I love the way he says that because obviously he has to stay polite because you know, she's still Lady Wentham. But so he just to say to her, she stayed. You know, she took care of you. So don't be mean, you know, because without her, everything could have gone worse and maybe you could have died. And so then again, when Isabel comes back, says, Well, she will go home and have a bit of a break, have a bath, maybe she could come later and they could play cards together. I just love when she says that and, and she's waiting for Violet to answer and you see Clarkson looking at Violet in a way that be nice and Violet's like, What well, that would be lovely, you know, you to come back to play cards. And I just love when Clarkson um then says You'll be rewarded in heaven. The sooner the better. I really like Dr. Claxon, I really like him. Uh I know you know he sometimes he made bad decisions. But I really like him with Isabel and uh, Violet because he knows he's not their equal, like he's not the equal of Violet. But I do love their relationship though. And then Violet and Isabel are playing cards until really late in the night. And it's like because it really feels like they're having fun. Like you know they're tired and you know Violet was ill, but they're actually having fun. And I absolutely adore when Violet says, Oh, goody, goody. I know we all love that moment. I just find it really sweet. And I love their relationship, Violet and Isabel. I just love it. They're just so cute. Like, yeah, I just love it. Then let's talk a bit about Tom. Tom was still lost. He doesn't know where he belongs. doesn't know what to do. Like, (laughs) poor Tom as well. Tom, he's driving Isabel home. And she asks him about his politics. And he's like, well, I don't know what happened to my politics, you know. Because a part of me is like, I don't even know who I really am anymore. And she invites him to hear Mr. Ward talk in Ripon. And at first, he doesn't want to. He's like, well, you know, you could just come and hear what he has to say. She doesn't want him to abandon his politics and his beliefs. And then he actually accepts. But then Violet has been taken ill, so she can't go. And so Tom, he's in the library with Cora and Mary, and Cora tells him that Isabel can come because Violet is ill. And so Tom is like, well, I don't think I would go now. And Mary's like, but why? It's just, you know, political talk, like, uh, you know. And Mary's like, but why can't you go? It's not because we are not political that you can't be you know and i just like that as well that mary's like it's not because it's not what we do you can't do it you know like you can still have your own beliefs and stuff so go and i love when tom says so you won't come with me then and mary says i'd rather go to the stake i love cora's reaction (laughs) but so then tom he goes he goes to a political meeting and he sits next next to woman at first he wants to sit then she says that the seat was for a friend then she says that he can take this seat but anyway he sits next to a woman and after the the meeting they talk together and you see that she likes him um i won't go as far as he likes her but i think he kind of likes her but you can really feel that she liked him maven says that he doesn't know what his beliefs are and you know he's like well my story is complicated like well that's true his story is complicated and he's like i don't know i don't know where i belong and again he's lost and uh, I feel quite bad for him because um, I feel he's trapped between I love the family. He realize that now he, 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 it's not just that he loved them because they were Sibyl's family and that she loved them. He truly now loved them. But he's still lost because like, I'm still not one of them. And I can't pretend to be one because it's not true. So he's lost. Poor Tom. But that woman. Oh, we see her again. Bananas. And I don't really like her, I have to say. And now, finally, to end this episode, I literally called this part Mary, the pigs, and her suitors. Well, you know, remember last episode, Evelyn Napier came back with Charles Blake. And Mary and Charles, you know, it was not love at first sight. My music of the day last week was You Need to Calm Down. Well, it's still the same feeling, you know, at the beginning of uh, of this episode. It's still Mary versus Charles and she still wants to know why some estates are failing and she asked him is it a lack of money and Charles like yes but why? I mean the issue is that why is there a lack of money is because they just spend the money without thinking what's an estate can offer that you can do so much more you can have income they never thought about income because that's not the way they used to think and Robert was the same you know, he was very angry when Matthew talked about profit, but that's what they need to do to beat an estate that could last, is to think about income. And Mary, she even says to Charles Beck, well, you we have to understand what those people are used to. And I quite agree with him when he says, well, no, they need to get used to something different and that they have to live with the time they live in. They have to move on. And I have to say, he's a bit harsh but i do agree with him i just love it because even he tries to peace the situation and mary she's very angry it's like, well, mr blake just said that he finds people like you and me infuriating and even he's like well charles and he wants you know to put him back in his place but charles he doesn't care so well, we need to go and oh even he tries his best because well he likes mary and he still hopes that maybe something uh, can happen and well we know he can't There, Mary, she's with Evelyn. I love that shot. It's so pretty. They are outside. You have the castle in the background. It's very pretty. They talk about Charles Blake. And I quite love it because Evelyn, he he takes Charles' defense a bit by saying that actually he's angry because those people could have saved their own estates if they changed the way they were uh, doing things. A bit like they did at Downton. You know, they changed it at the right moment. That's why Downton is quite safe. And even he says that Charles Blake is a bit angry because if they all have done that, then they say could have lived. And I like it because he says that Charles Blake finds her aloof. I just love how Mary she's surprised that people would find her aloof because well she is kind of a bit and she says to him, I hope she's You stood up for me. And he's like, well, yeah, of course, but Charles thinks I'm blind where you're concerned. (laughs) I just love when he says that Mary, suddenly, she feels a bit awkward and embarrassed because she knows that Evelyn really likes her and, well, she likes him, but, like, he's in the friend zone. I'm sorry, Evelyn, but, yeah. And then when Mary is with Anna in her room, they talk about Blake, and she asks her. I'm not aloof, am I? Do you want me to answer truthfully or like a lady's maid? Then Mary's like, well, never mind, let's change the subject because Anna's like, well, you kind of are. But I just like, because that shows, again, how they are together, you know, their relationship. I love it. And every time I see Mary being so sweet with Anna, I just can't understand that she can be that sweet person and be that evil with Edith. Yeah, that is the thing that I have against Mary is the way she has with Edith. I think you kind of got it now after four seasons, but Yeah. Then Tom, actually when Mary is in the library with Cora, and then they talk about him going to the political meeting, Tommy says that the pigs have arrived. And Mary is a bit sad because she wasn't there to see them when they arrived. Uh, And Tommy says, we can go tomorrow. And so that evening in the drawing room, Charles Blake is here with Mary and Cora, but Tommy's not here because he's at the political meeting. And Evelyn Napier is not here either because he is dining with friends of his parents. There's just the three of them. And Charles Blake is like, well, don't be afraid. And I actually quite like when Mary says, But we are afraid. How can two brainless dullards like us ever hope to entertain Mr. Blake? Cora's reaction is like, "Uh, okay, let's calm down. I just love it how Mary says that. I don't know. It makes me laugh. And... Chad says that he would would really like to see the pigs. He says, why, why can't we go after dinner? And he asked Cora if she wants to go. He says, no, you need to go. But I just love because, like, I don't want to. But in a way, it's almost like, I think she doesn't want to because maybe she's tired and she's lonely. Robert's not here. So she should have said yes in a way because, you know, she's alone in her room now. But I think Paru was like, I'm not going because I feel like I'm going to be, like, a third wheel or something. But so then... Mary then she goes with Blake's to see the pigs and it's funny because they do seem out of place you know with their with their evening clothes you know among the pigs and apparently uh, there's an issue like a pig is almost dead like they're dehydrated they don't have water because uh, the water trough is empty and so Blakey says that they have to give them water so he takes two buckets And then Mary, she actually takes two buckets and goes with him to the water pipe to give the pigs water. And then you see them covered in mud, giving water to the pigs. And with some moment, like Mary, her shoe is actually stuck in the mud and she falls down into it. Like, really? (laughs) That's not how they thought the evening would go. And then we see Carson in his pantry with Mrs. Hughes saying that Mary and Blake are not back. And also Mrs. Hughes is like, I wonder what's taking the time because like nothing but it's always like nothing like that like (laughs) obviously you're like i wonder what's taking them the time was they were supposed to to see the pigs what what happened and then um they're still near the water pipe and apparently you know they think now that the pigs are safe and blake says well i I will watch them for an hour and give them water again you can go it's like no i won't they're my pigs (laughs) I just love when she says, like, hey, hey, I'm going to save them too. They're mud pigs. I'm going to check that they're all right. And I just love when the joke, says, what do I look like? <laughs> Literally, with my evening dress and covered in mud. But he was a gentleman because he gave her his jacket because it was dry. So he's a gentleman. But then they start throwing mud at each other. But you see, something happened. Like, something shifted. And I think it's very funny. But so... Oh. It's time for my French word of the day. And since it's the one with the pigs, I thought it was fitting to give you the word pig. <laughs> pig in French is cochon. It's written C-O-C-H-O-N. It's masculine, so it's un cochon. And we also use the word por. In English, you use it like it's pork, like the meat you eat. But we can also, for pig, you can say cochon or pork, P-O-R-C. But I use cochon more than pork because I just fear that it's a nicer word. Cochon seems more cute. I know it's silly but <laughs> yeah. But so pig in French it's un cochon or un port. So then Mary and Charles Blake are back and they're in the kitchen and Mary is cooking. She is making scrambled eggs. Apparently that's is the only thing she can make but at least she can make scrambled eggs. I mean that's something. And so they are in the kitchen. Uh, and they eat and they drink and I just remember when she says you you saved our bacon literally <laughs> that yeah that's exactly what happened. but I like when he says you know it, it was a night of discoveries good discoveries at least on my part and you see he like they completely have changed like they are more friendly towards each other and the way he looks at her it's the complete opposite of the way he looked at her like the beginning of the episode what I love is then Ivy comes in obviously she is shocked to see them here and Mary's like well if you are already up that means we definitely should go to bed but so they leave and you see Charles is like but I have not finished my eggs like and you see his face he's like but I'm hungry like my food like why (laughs) and so they both leave but to be honest I would have been exactly like Charles Blake I would have been like but I have not finished I think I would have taken the plate with me and said I'm going to finish it in my room, literally. And she made eggs, like this is, I mean, this is waste. I mean, they're wasting food. And it looked great, those eggs. I mean, I literally would have taken, I think, the plates and the fork and said I'm going to finish that in my room. But his face is like, okay, well, I was hungry, but guess we're going to bed now. Then the next day, uh, they have tea in the library. And Mary is with the boys, and Cora comes in and is like, Oh, there you are! Like, you disappeared last night. But I just love, when Mary and Blake came back, they're like, No one cared that we, like, vanished. (laughs) And Cora comes in and says that Tony Gillingham is coming. And Mary's like, Oh, okay, why? And apparently Charles Blake, he knows Tony Gillingham, like, they served together uh, during the war. But I I just love through all that. Evelyn Napier in the background not happy to have Tony Gillingham here I think he's just not happy to have anyone who appears to be a suitor of Mary you know and I love when Cora says well I tried to put him off but apparently he didn't want to be put off so they all noticed that you know there was something going on <laughs> just that like even Cora says well I tried to but apparently he well, he wants to see you basically and Mary, she leaves the room, and Evelyn, he follows her, and he congratulates her. She says, well, uh, I'm not aloof now. He says, no, but I'm afraid it increased the competition. <laughs> and he's still rubbing his ring finger. I mean, Evelyn, you have to let it go. It will never happen. I'm so sorry, but you are in the friend zone, definitely. And so when he says that, you know, you have increased the competition, and Mary, she's like, oh she sighs and is like okay now you have tony gillingham coming in so now she doesn't have only one suitor or two she has three yay <laughs> and tony is here and he says that he missed her and you're like yeah but aren't you engaged to be married to someone else yay i'm serious sometimes I like poor mabel because the guy doesn't give a damn (laughs) he just wants Mary and you know she doesn't say much about about Blake and even says you no I don't care as long as you don't like him better than you like me and you're like really He, he seems like a really nice guy you know this Tony Gilligan but there's tiny things that he says that irritates me like stuff like that don't end up liking him better than you like me like and what is it to you And so Tony and Char they talk about what happened with the pigs and said that it looks like we've been wrestling in mud and Tony's like, well, have you? And Mary, says, well, no, but it's always good to save some things for another time. Tony, he doesn't like that. Well, Evelyn, he's been out of the competition like long ago, poor Evelyn. But Tony, he doesn't like that. And then he asked Charles Blake about the report. He wants to know if Downton has, is in danger. And Charles like, no. And, and says if Lady Mary is willing to give everything she's got, then really, Downton has a real chance. But you see, they're already fighting for Lady Mary. And you're like, oh my god, Mary, now she has three suitors. Like, <laughs> yeah. But so about all these suitors. Before I bring this up, I'm going to give you my music of the day. And again, it's like last week. It's, it's funny. Well, I think it's funny. I think it's in the point of view of the sutures, but I think it's probably more Evelyn Napier at that point. But yeah, I don't know, just I thought about this and I thought that well, it makes me think about Mary, about that song. What about all those men who were attracted or who are attracted to Mary? So yeah. I don't like a gold rush, gold rush. I don't like anticipating my facing. So that was Good Rush by Taylor Swift. And really, with all those men attracted to marry, when the first thing that came into my mind was this line from this song, what must it be like to grow up that beautiful? <laughs> like anyone would die to feel her touch and stuff like that. And enough about Evelyn like poor Evelyn like the last time he came to downtown he brought a friend and where that friend had more chances with Mary it didn't end well but you know in that time he is bringing someone else and that someone else again has more chances than he has and and at that time actually with Pamuk Matthew is here and now there's Tony Gillingham so this he doesn't have a chance and I'm I really think it's sad because um I like him I don't think they would have been well suited Evelyn and Mary but I do love Evelyn and I wish that he would meet someone one day that would make him happy but yeah so yeah not the end for all the suitors you know because now there are three of them so yeah not the end but it's the end of this episode um, I hope you enjoyed it, I hope it was not too, because I, I'm hearing myself talk, and I'm like, my voice sounds well in my ears, absolutely awful, and I hope it wasn't too awful to listen, please talk to me, especially the Edith situation, because the rest, I mean, I'm okay, but like Edith, I really want to talk about her with someone, because yeah, like I said, I feel there, was too ma- there are too many people hating on her and I feel sorry for her. So if you want to chat about Edith with me, feel free to do it. And um, yeah, I will see you next week to talk about episode 8 of season 4 of Downton Abbey. I'm so excited because I adore this episode. I absolutely love this episode and in this episode there is my favorite COVID scene. Like, I love it. Yeah, I'm just way too excited. Until then, stay safe, take care of yourself, and for the second time in this episode, don't forget. Vive la défense!